0: Folks, in our youth, when our careers were growing and expenses were high, we needed to get the most from our savings and the money we invested in the market. As we age, we need a safer strategy, one that can protect against market loss. We need to keep our hard-earned principles safe while allowing growth to provide us with reliable retirement income. Therefore, to learn about reliable retirement income, I highly recommend Arif Halliby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy.
1: Learn from Arab Halib. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Eric Hallaby Total Financial Hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. Uh, I love coming to you and presenting you some some interesting ideas, concepts. And here's one of the things that I think our show has been known for for, I guess, coming up on two decades. Right? Next year, uh, yeah. Next year's nineteen January will be 19 years. Okay, then that's a long time, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm glad to be here for you because part of this uh, journey for both of us is things change, don't they? Uh, you change the economy changes your desires your what you thought you were going to be you know what age did you reach when you said hey i probably am not going to achieve that lifelong dream for some people well many people they they continue they they try to figure it out they go back to college they pick up that new hobby that new trade uh, some of you know of uh, a lady artist. Her name is Marty Bell, one of my favorites. Um, she didn't pick up painting, I think, until she was in her mid or late thirties—thirty-six or thirty-eight, something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure she painted as a as a hobby, but as a profession, Marty created some amazing images. She's with the Lord now; she's passed, but an amazing artist. I share that with you because she became very prolific and famous for what she did. But, again, somebody who didn't start something until she was in her mid to late 30s. It doesn't mean you have to wait that long. Maybe you're going to wait like Ray Kroc from McDonald's, right? The McDonald's franchise existed. Folks were in there. I think they had three of them or so out in the San Bernardino area, Riverside. And they just couldn't take it off the ground. They didn't understand systems. They didn't understand the ability to make it a franchise. Well, Ray Kroc comes along at what age? 55 years old. So the the McDonald's we know of today came from somebody who was 55 years old. How about Colonel Sanders? Remember him? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, said one of the F words, fried. That's why they call it KFC. It's so fun, isn't it? KFC. Don't say the fried word. KFC. How old was Colonel Sanders? Well, he was very simply I want to say 65 when he retired. It could have been 67 when he decided I'm going to open up this franchise, this thing called Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was never actually a colonel. It was kind of a a loving term uh, bestowed upon him by his friends and family. So there you have Kentucky Fried Chicken. Okay, so when I share that with you, a lot of people will say Well, when I retire, I just want to sit around and kind of do nothing. I'm I'm telling you, that is a mistake. It's a mistake for a lot of reasons. Because there's young men and young women out there whose job it is, is to mentor and help the next generation. And why can't that be you? There's jobs out there that are volunteer. There's some that are paid where you can make a difference. I want to touch on something, and that is mostly through what you call Social Security. Now, it's going to be guaranteed income. So we're going to use a variety of sources of income, but one of them is Social Security. Now, why is that important? Because it's income that comes in whether you show up for work or whether you don't, whether you're there and need a paycheck because you have to pay bills, or whether your income is coming in every two weeks from another source, right? When we talk about reliable retirement income, I talk about income that just never goes away, whether that's your 401k plan, whether that is your IRA, That's what our job is. It's to take the purpose of the money, which is lifetime income, so that I would even take it a step further, so that you can complete your purpose. Right? Your income, your money has a job so that you can have a purpose. That's very important to understand because so many of you sacrifice most of your life to provide for your family or yourself. You understand that. Right? If I was to stop and, and talk to you in a corner and say, hi, you're 47 years old, you have a job you've been at for 18 years, do you love it? Most people are going to say no. I mean, I don't hate it, most people would say, but I don't love it. If it was my passion, if I won the lotto, uh, would I be here tomorrow? The answer is probably not. So how do we get to that place as fast as possible? It's going to be multiple sources of income, in my opinion, because I'm going to get to in a minute of what I see the future of social security as if I have some crystal ball. It's just math. I want you to know that the funny thing about what we do in the financial world is truly it's just math. One plus one is two. You can feel like it's six. You can really, really want one plus one to equal 17. That's the number. It's racist if one plus one is not six. No, I'll tell you what. One plus one is two, whether you feel like it or you don't. The far left has really taken over the world with this emotions and this feelings. And I think you have to settle back down and say, I'm a practical person. I'm working hard and providing for my family. That's important. But eventually, those boxes are checked. Kids are grown. Bills are paid. Hopefully, you have some savings. Your money has now equaled from an income standpoint, what it takes for your food, shelter, clothing for you to live. And now you could go do what you've always wanted, what you thought you wanted. So here's a couple of ideas of how to decide your purpose. Number one, I want you to take classes, community college, online classes, amazing opportunities to learn. There has never been a time that is as easy and simple as it is right now to learn anything about anything. Did you know that? What do you want to learn? You could learn it. What do I want to find out? I can find out about it. Besides the Facebook and the Googles of the world censoring and hiding and pushing data off to the side, right? They do that. There needs to be a cleanup on aisle seven when it comes to Facebook and Twitter's getting better. But it's still the same story. I guess it's called X. You get the idea. But generally speaking, of course you're going to have difficulty finding some information. But to learn about something, the ability to travel, I get it. I don't want to spend $1,000 to go from Los Angeles to New York on an airline ticket. But if you factor in inflation and what it costs, do you realize it's kind of not really that much? I mean, look, it's still a lot of money. But if 30 years ago it was $500 or $600 to go Transcontinental, now it's a thousand. That's not the same dollar indexed for inflation. Maybe out of your price range, but by no way is it expensive to jump on a plane. All that technology, all the energy that it took to manufacture the fuel, all of the people that had to show up for work to make the pieces, the parts, to put it all together, the pilot, the flight attendants, all of those folks got together. And you can jump across the country in just a mere, a few hours. So did you need to learn something about New York? Is that where the physical location, go, go. How about Central America? How about Alaska? You can go anywhere, anytime. So now it's not access, right? We just kind of proved that. To find your purpose, it's not about access of information, whether it's the web, whether it's physically being there, If you're not a flying type person, jump in a plane and you can't do that. No problem. Get a car, rent a car, buy a car, borrow a car, use your car. You can do odd jobs across the country, can't you? You you can sleep in campgrounds. I, I mean, I'm going quite rustic here, but my point is if there is a desire, which is the next step, if there is a desire to improve, create, and build your purpose, determine your purpose. Then you got a pretty good shot at it, don't you? You got a chance at actually going out and deciding what that's like. Now, maybe maybe your interest is something real specific about children. I don't know how you can watch, and I'm going to encourage all of you to do so. How you can watch a movie like 2000 Mules. Yes, it's going to cost you $20 or or something. Get four or five of you together, split the cost. If you have 2,000 mules, Dinesh D'Souza, it'll show you how fragile and I would say how corrupt our election system is. How about something like let freedom ring? How about the, the sex trafficking, the child trafficking? Maybe you can do some research and figure out how to help get involved. Join those organizations. Right, So if making a difference in your life is about keeping this country free in the elections and keeping the far left from manipulating and controlling the elections, or if the purpose is on the other side, helping humanity and young people and kids get a shot at life, maybe, just maybe that's your purpose. Another thing I want to encourage you to do, if election integrity is important to you, you ever see House of Cards? You know, they they canceled Kevin Spacey, so he disappeared for a while. And Robin Penn or Robin Wright, I guess, is her name now. Robin Wright has taken over. She's kind of jumped in and become the president. And I don't know what season they're on or even if they're still filming. But the first one or two seasons will show you how the Democrats manipulated the election. And frankly, maybe even the Republicans in George W. Bush in 2000. There's some evidence floating around, whether it's accurate or not, but it, it's not unlikely. Right? So maybe you can learn how to prevent that if that's important to you. They say, uh, you know, art, life imitates art and art imitates life. That could be the case, couldn't it? Often a lot of these conspiracy theories, my favorite thing, <laughs> these conspiracy theories come along and then you take a look at, wait. It's not actually a conspiracy theory, is it? There really has been somebody, for example, bugging the uh, the Trump campaign. Remember that? That wasn't real? Ah, maybe not. It is real. So a lot of these things have occurred. These climate activists, right, shutting down roads. Places, in, uh, people in Portugal and in Germany, they're just picking these folks up by the hair. Dragging them across The lanes of traffic getting them out of the way. People have work to do. They're choosing to provide for their families. And these folks are such uh, uh, psychologically twisted that they think they have to inconvenience you, make your life difficult. What if you need to go to the hospital, a doctor's appointment, a job interview? And they're shutting down freeways. They've done that here in Southern California. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do to go drag them by the hair. I'm saying it's a solution and you're seeing it happen, right? When you, when you remove the power from law enforcement, now you have these folks, maybe you're the climate activist. I doubt it. If you're listening to our show, you'll know how much of that is just a a bunch of phoniness, right? Alarmist behavior from one to another. I love it. You got to figure that out. Here's what I think you should do. Number one, do you have access to information? Yes, you do. Number two, do you have a desire to access that information? I think one of the more important parts. And finally, does it really make a difference? Do people sit out there and say, uh, if only we had the cure for, if only we had a better understanding of, wouldn't that be amazing? So how do I get involved in that? How do I fit into your life? Well, I'll give you my phone number, 888 retire eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Here's how I do it. Because I think if you have a safe, comfortable, guaranteed, reliable source of income that never goes away, that you'll end up uh, probably with a pretty good shot at feeling free and maybe even courageous to get out, to make a difference, to stand up. Okay. Social security is one of them. I'm going to discuss that here in the bottom of the hour, because I think you need to understand it's an issue. It's a concern. Making sure it's going to be there. If you have an aptitude for the economy, for politics, for getting involved with understanding how to, to to push solutions, results. Maybe that's a place that you fit. But maybe the answer is you just need the income. What about using fixed or fixed indexed annuities? I, I have amazing listeners. You guys are incredible. I really appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you every week or, or talking with you every week. It's important to me. Because I get to learn from you when you call in, when you send us emails. I'll give you my email address here in a second as well. When you call in and you discuss concerns, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm starting to see a pattern of behavior. You see, because I get the feedback from you, whether it be the phone calls or emails, it allows me to see what's important to you. Course correct, adjust our practice, our radio shows, our communications with you. And we are seeing a greater uh, push for people to want to have a guaranteed source of income. Basically, they just don't want to be canceled. right? Have you seen some of the Hollywood celebrities that are making residual income, that have so much money? You ever ask yourself, how can somebody like Tom Selleck be a conservative? Well, it's simple. He and his dad developed nearly every intersection of the San Fernando Valley Right. Remember when they just were corners and they were corner farms? If you can go back 30 or 40 years, his dad is a real estate developer. He'd come along, buy up a corner, put maybe four or six little shops, a nail salon, a liquor store, a yogurt store. Remember that? Dry cleaner. Right in those little corners. Parking was always stinky. Some of those shopping centers still exist. And parking is still stinky, by the way. That was owned by Tom Selleck's family. And in in exchange for some fame and money over a period of time, he bought into the business. A lot of Hawaii, Oahu, and other islands are owned by Mr. Selleck and his corporations. So when he says, you know, Blue Bloods or whatever the latest iteration of of TV series that he can or can't do or will or won't do, he can still stand up and say, listen, uh, I think conservative values are much more important. Do you understand? Because he has multiple sources of income. You may have a few zeros less than he does in the monthly or annual or, or yearly income, but the concept is still the same. Every month... Check deposits in your account. Every year, the market goes up. If you get some index credits up, you get a pay raise. Isn't that nice? And then you can stand up for what you believe in. And that's where the purpose comes in. All right, here's the last thing I want you to do. When I talk about trying and going out and and visiting different, I guess, educational institutions, whether it's TED Talks or YouTube or whatever you might do, I, I would say check Rumble out first. I like Rumble. I like Dan Bongino, what he stands for. You support people like him. Less support for YouTube and the ability for them to hide videos. It's incredible to me. Right? The, the new poll tax, just so you know. Remember, the, so here's what a poll tax is. P-O-L-L. You would show up to vote and they would say it costs $5. And if you were... Uh, a poor black immigrant from the South or slave, a freed slave or, or descendant. You couldn't vote. right? The Democrats would put in these barriers that said, oh, wait, you don't have an extra $5? I'm not sure what the dollar figure was. $1, $10, whatever. Oh, you don't have that? Oh, I'm so sorry. You can't vote. And so the Democrats would exclude black Southerners from voting another way they would do it is they'd say you'd have to take this literacy test and you might say oh well how hard is that learn how to read and write of course well sometimes these literacy tests weren't actually literacy tests they were puzzles they were mind games remember in 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 high school if a train left cincinnati and another one left new york at the same time one was traveling you know 60 miles an hour one where would they meet remember that Those little tongue twister mind games. Some of the poll tax or the poll questionnaires are those in. They're impossible. And so what would happen? Sorry, you don't get to vote today. Here's how Google YouTube. Here's how they do it. They just hide the information. Oh, this is such a sensitive topic that you need to have an account with us. So please log in. Oh, You need to register your information, i.e., we now are watching you. We know who you are. Remember that? Oh, yeah. We're we're keeping an eye on you. So you need to register. You're like, ah, you know what? Never mind. I'm good. Have you thought about that for a minute? Why is that okay? Okay. It's just another way to block out voters they don't agree with. And guess what? Oh, it's still being done by the Democrat Party. It's supporters, of course. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever asked yourself, how is the far left getting involved in so many things? Why do they always try to limit? Why don't they just say, listen, if you want to be successful, if you're interested In running for office. If you're interested in knowing about this information, go ahead. So what do they do? Oh, it's about safety. It's about, oh, Oh, it's dangerous. And it's, it's for the children. It's for the children, children and old people. We like them children, old people. We like, still like firemen. Don't we? Do we like firefighters? Yeah. Children, old people and firefighters. That's who we like. So who do we vote for? Children, old people, and firefighters. Anybody who supports them, if you have a bond measure, if you want to take from those people and give to children, old people, and firefighters, we'll sign here. Have you asked yourself why that doesn't seem to fit the proper narrative? Huh? Why is it that they do that? They're protecting you. That's what they say. Don't let your little virgin eyes take a look at the possibility that something could exist. So that's my concern, right? You got to get involved. The purpose is about that. School board meetings. We've talked about that. City council meeting, water board meetings. Water is the new gold. If you're not sure about that, especially in the Southwest water rights, the division of water that comes off the Colorado River, some of its tributaries, The ability to pull up groundwater. Sorry, the federal government owns the creek that runs across your land. Even though it begins and ends on your land. Sorry, it's the federal responsibility. What do you mean? Yeah, the Federal Waterways Act. And then when somebody like Joe Biden gives up American sovereignty in our oceans and rivers to the United Nations. Are you kidding me? Explain to me how somebody in Belgium gives a rip about the waterways in the Willamette River, the Snake River. But you're required. Federal waterways, it's all about the children. Clean water, children, clean air. What else did we want? It was about the whales for a while. Remember that? That kind of disappeared. I guess the whales are okay now. It was about wolves for a little while. I guess that ran its course. We did a lot for elephants. Remember the elephants? There's 10 elephants every hour are dying in America. You're like, okay, there aren't elephants. In 10 ele- Four elephants in Africa are dying. Oh, well, Africa is an enormous place. Countless languages being spoken, probably 100. Different cultures, people that have zero, nothing, zero in common. And Americans in the left wing will use the word Africa as if it means something. It means nothing. It's, it's an enormous place. It has nothing to do with any one group of people or anybody who has any value that, uh, values that share with the next person. They're, they're just different. But they do the same thing. It's for the children. Let's save Africa. Some of the wealthiest countries in the world, and certainly in Africa... Tanzania, Kenya, Nigeria, their cell phone technology, if you're not clear on this, their ability. I remember 20 years ago, I was with somebody who, who was working in that area. And she said, Arif, you know, we're using our, our phones to pay for things at the store as, as like a currency. I said, what? How do you do that? She said, well, there's credits on the phone and then you use your phone. It's a, it's a Wi-Fi transfer, Bluetooth, whatever she was using uh, words at the time. I thought, wow, that will never come to America. That's forever. Well, now what? People tap their phones. That came from East Africa. So I, I don't want you to think that this technology of, of America and the world, that just by definition of us being, quote, in the United States, we have this lock on always being successful, always being at the, the forefront of things, always being valuable. That's not the case. We can easily be taken over by by different technologies and countries. So maybe that's your purpose, isn't it? Maybe that's your reason for existing and your ability to be there ahead of things so that you never ever have a wasted life. Important, right? All right, stay with me guys after the break. I want to touch on a couple other things. Social security, how that can be part of your income. But some of the things that most people don't, don't know about Social Security and you got to be aware of, well, we're going to cover that when we come back. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby. This is your place for news, talk, and information. 888 retire That's
0: 888-997-3847.
1: Stay with me. We're right back.
0: Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Retire comfortably thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Halaby, Total financial hour. Grab your pen and paper because I'm going to give you a lot of, I think, good information. Otherwise, I wouldn't bring it to you. Information on Social Security. Some of the do's and don'ts and some of the things that I think can actually make a difference when you're trying to build uh, that part of your guaranteed income. So let's start with a couple of things. Social Security, so that you're aware of it, can be garnished. For a lot of Americans, you don't realize it. In other words, if you don't pay things like social, uh, like child support or alimony, it can be garnished. Now, there's a difference between regular Social Security and disability, so that you're clear. Social Security Disability, or SSDI, can be garnished still to pay child support and alimony, but there's some things that maybe it gets a little bit of freedom. Such as maybe student loan debt. We'll get into some of that when we can, when we get forward. But it can be garnished. Spousal benefits, survivor benefits, social security disability insurance. They can be garnished to pay child support, alimony, court-ordered restitution to crime victims, back taxes, and non-tax debt owed to a federal agency. Ding, 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 ding. Hang on to that number. Such as student loans. Oh yes, but did you not know the the pandemic? Look, that was a scam. The whole delaying of this and getting into trillions T trillions of dollars in debt, paying people to stay home was wrong, wrong and wrong again, and everybody in leadership was either dumb or they knew it. You need to understand that. Everybody in the government leadership, economists who are generally just political figures because Well, they like the job, not because they have anything to do with understanding politics and the next, you know, the next administration coming in. They know math. That's what they do. They're economists. What did they not understand? Well, very simply, they didn't understand the long term consequences because they didn't care. Because when you delay people paying student loan debt, when you tell people they cannot go to work. What do you think is going to happen when you start Social Security? Uh, sorry, when you start student loan payments again? Oh, surprise. It's going to be a, a shock to the system. No, it isn't. No, you knew it was coming. When you went to school, you signed your name. You took out that debt. Did somebody trick you? Did somebody promise you were going to make $100,000 a year the moment you walked out of school? Right? Mm-mm, probably not. So there's some limits on how much of your Social Security can be garnished. If you're going to use this for your reliable retirement income or a portion of it, you have to be very careful. Because if you're in the arrears, which means you are owing money to the federal income tax, they can take out no more than about 15% of your Social Security. Okay, that's pretty good, 15% if you needed it, right? Part of the reason why you go, why you're not paying some of your other debts, not everybody, not all the time, but part of the reasons for some is because you didn't have the money. Well, we're going to show you, you don't have the money to even live. We're going to make it even harder for you to live. Now, what's my argument for student loan debt? You say tough luck. You have to work at a job that you don't like. Social security you want those kinds of wages to not be garnished? Well, then when you were 20 and 30 and 40, you have to clean the freeways on the weekends. You have to uh, clean out homeless encampments that your party has has so uh, heavily promoted. right? You have to help children. What, whatever it is, you have to volunteer. We'll work it off. We'll, we'll take money away from you, but you're going to work. Student loans that are in default, minus this whole... Coronavirus, China virus, lockdown, moratorium thing. But here's where it's most important. Garnishment is in effect, 15% of your benefits can be withheld to repay student loan debt. However, unlike taxes, if you owe taxes, they can take all, nearly all of your social security check. But if it's just for student loan debt... They're going to leave you with no less than $750, $750. I think you have to move to Mexico to live on $750. But child support, alimony, right? We've talked about that. You should have paid that. You knew that. You should have worked two jobs, six jobs. There's no such thing as, well, I got home. I had to relax and watch TV and play video games. No, no. You owe money. You go to work. Is that controversial? Well, well, yeah. So what? You go to work, you have to. Here's the other part that's pretty important. You need to keep in mind, if you believe your benefits are being garnished in error, and some of you are, right now we're right around 200,000 people collecting Social Security will have their wages garnished because they didn't pay student loan debt. Now, when you ask yourself, I mean, there's a question that's being begged here for a minute. Social security, 65, let's say you could get it at 62 or 70. Let's just say 65 for a minute. That would mean either you signed for a child's loan called a parent plus loan or it's your loan, your student loan. Well, how long ago did you go to school? Now, maybe if you followed my first uh, half hour's advice, you said, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to figure it out. Great. But but I, do I have to tell you, you've got to be able to pay for that? Not to steal the Wi-Fi. Some of you do that. No, not to steal Wi-Fi. I don't want you to steal time in a classroom. By borrowing money, you have no intention of paying. No plan to pay back. It's very simple to solve this student loan and this coming social security crisis. It's very simple. You say, this year here are the four-year loans that we are giving for these degrees. The United States citizenry. Who? Do, what do we need? Well, we need scientists. We need engineers. So we will give you loans. We'll give you grants and loans. And this is a four-year, but only for these. We need nurses, doctors. Got it. We don't need English majors. Love you. But we don't. We don't need history majors. Nope. You could go take history classes, but you have to pay for it, like the old days. Imagine that. Well, you go to work, and you could go get a history degree, or English, or Women's Studies of the 18th century of African descent from half Lebanese families. Like you could go do that. That's fine. Nobody, nobody's going to keep that degree from happening. But why should the public pay for something that has yet to, to turn itself into? An actual income. You're a bad investment. Nice person, bad investment. Okay, now what? Well, simple. Next year, here are the classes. We need more of this, less of that. But if you already have your four-year approval, then you have your four-year approval. You have to keep certain grades up, certain uh, attendance records, etc. But what about everybody else that might need student loan? Perfect. Everybody else goes to a community college. For $50 or $250 a semester, whatever the numbers are, simple enough. We go to a community college. I think we have some of the best community colleges in L.A. I think we overpay our chancellors and whatever they're called these days. Right, everybody, superintendent, chancellor, president. There's no reason to pay College of the Canyons. $400,000 a year as much as almost the president of the United States. How do you win that deal? Oh, well, you have to be here for a long, you're still a government employee. That's it. You didn't take a chance. You didn't invent a widget. You're not managing a $50 billion publicly traded company. You're a government employee. So, so I get it. There should be a love for teaching kids, not a, a financial, reward for just existing this tenure thing needs to go away tenure you're there for five years boom that's it you're here forever yeah but what if you don't work oh the committee has to decide if we should fire you what there's no public shame anymore so nobody's going to care about being shamed so how about this whole thing of well if you don't do the job we fire you if you do a great job six different schools are going to want to hire you and then you are worth more money and then people will pay you more money what capitalism? Ah, so how am I going to do this? Very simple. You want to get a degree in something that the that the government says we are not supporting at this time. We don't need them in this country. We have too many of them. For example, simple. Pay for it yourself, or you you show up with two years undergrad grades of a two point five GPA. I don't know. I'm making up the number. Could be three. GPA, whatever it might be, show up with a GPA that's sufficient, an attendance record that's sufficient, complete two years and say, See, I did time in AAA baseball. I did time in college ball. See, I showed up, I worked hard. When nobody was looking, I worked hard. So now, my final two years at a four year university, expensive, I get it. I would tell you what, I'm worth it. I'm a good investment. Give me those monies. Give me the doll. The citizens of America will be be better off because of me. See what I've done? I've proven it. And you make your case for the grants or scholarships or student loans or maybe a combination of of all those. And then you're only spending your final two years in a university. Not all four. You see, your first two years at any university, they're competing with community colleges anyway. That's why they give you those silly awards. Some of you, you have kids there. Oh, my son, is so, he got the Chancellor's Award. Like, oh, it must be a freshman? Yeah. Well, because they're going to try to convince you to get hooked there. Right? It's like when they sell crack at the corner. No, this one is free. Free. This one's a dollar. Dollar. After two years where you cannot take any more community college type courses to offset it, and you have to go and do a certain amount of units, 50, 60, 70, whatever, at a four-year university in order to get credit for that college degree. Well, now they say, oh, so sorry. The Dean's Starlight Award, we already awarded that to somebody else. You don't get it. But if you want to stay, you can pay full price or sign this form for a student loan. Smile for your student ID, right? I mean, you realize it's a business. The amount of money that the administrators and worthless tenured teachers, not good tenured teachers. There are some good tenured professors, amazing ones. The worthless ones, the ones that don't show up, the ones that don't shower, the ones that sit there and they they have rooms, uh, offices filled with papers everywhere. You go, look, uh, are you even organized? Is it you putting together a business plan, a student plan, a school curriculum? Is anybody doing that? Or is it your PhD students, the master's degree folks, just trying to get favor so that you can sign it off as their sponsor? There needs to be an overhaul. 1.2, 1.3 trillion T trillion dollars in student loan debt. It cannot ever be paid the current way we have it set up. It has to be, hey, all of you kids that are out there, look, here's the deal. You're part of prison. This is your time, your servant time. You're going to have to pay it back for 10, 15, 25 years. I don't know, but, but you have to pay it back. And school, from now on, if you offer a degree and this person does everything that they said that they were going to do, And your degree did not lead them to that knowledge. That foundation did not lead them to a place where they are earning. I don't know. Pick a number: two and a half times the national average at the ten-year mark. Let's say, right? So, if the national average is fifty thousand dollars a year, they have to be making what one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year. If they are not doing that, then college, you you have to cancel the rest of their student loan, and university, you eat it. Not the federal taxpayers. Not the student. You delivered a shoddy product. It's worthless. It did not do what it said. Whoa. Do you think colleges and universities would step up then? You think they might say, well, we're going to reevaluate some of our foo-foo schools, classes. The school of whatever. Psychology. Again, again, If you want to pay with your own money and the school wants to take your own money and then whatever negotiations you do on whatever uh, guarantees or or adjustments to your, your tuition, fine, let them do that. My point is, when you make it a taxpayer problem, you make it my problem. When you make it my problem, here are my solutions. You don't get to make it my problem and then you don't... Listen to my solutions. Being the taxpayer, of course. So I think the universities need to step up. Here's what's going to happen with Social Security. Right now, Social Security is slated to run out of money in 2033, 2034. Now, it's not going to run out of money like Mary Smith of Des Moines, Iowa gets the last check. It's not how it works. Basically, everybody will get around 65 to 70% of what they're owed. For example... If you are receiving two thousand dollars a month, your check will now be probably fourteen hundred. Now you say, "Wait a second, Arif, they're garnishing my wages. It's going to be even less." That's right, right? Some of you went back to school in two thousand and uh, well 2000, 2001. That's why twenty years later, right, you were in your mid forties, middle age. Not a whole lot of people wanted to hire you because you didn't, you weren't up to date on the latest tech tech. So you went back to school. Brilliant job. Took out student loans to live on. Because you don't understand how hard it is to study with little kids running around. Oh, yes, I do. But no problem. You borrowed money from the taxpayers so that you could eat dinner and take care of your children and go to school. All right, now you have that degree. And you had a great career. Wonderful. And now you're 65. 68. And you say, okay, now it's time for me to to pay back this money. Oh, well, they're going to take it from your Social Security. Ten years from now, guess what? They're out of money. So not only are they reducing the amount of Social Security that you're going to receive, your wages will be garnished. So you will have even less Social Security if you don't pay back that student loan. So how do we fix this? We do a couple of things. Number one. You're really going to have to tell people, look, I get it. You're going to have to sell, you know, basically a modified bankruptcy. You have three really nice cars or you have two nice cars. You have some equity in one of them. So you can go buy a car for $10,000, whatever that equals. I don't care. The rest of it, we're going to sell and you have to pay back some of the student loan. Maybe it has to be that harsh. Maybe it says your retirement account has $300,000 in it. I know that's not enough to live on for the rest of your life, but you're going to have to give us 20% 20% of it, says the federal government. I don't know. Right? So so there needs to be some sort of a, you're, you're going to have to pay the price. Financially speaking, you're going to have to be, you know, fiscally punished. Oh, you don't like any of those ideas, do you? No, I, I wouldn't either if I were you. Oh, how about this? You go get a second or third or fourth job. I did. I had three jobs. For years, I had three jobs. One full-time and two part-time. Oh, you're so lucky, Eric. Look at what you have. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. When I was taking a a nap, which was the only time I would sleep in a mall parking structure, right? Sherman Oaks Fashion Square, 1990. It was the only thing I could do. It's it's what you did because I had to work there. So I would back in early in the morning and I'd get two hours sleep go inside to the bathroom, clean up as quick as you can and wake up and work for four, five, six hours. Do it all over again. You see what are, when people say you're so lucky, I want you to know when nobody's looking, that's who you are. And I don't want you to think you feel lucky because you're the same person who decides to go out when nobody's looking, and spend taxpayer money. I think there's some accountability and responsibility. It is not a victimless crime. It is not just about nothing, nobody being impacted. It's not accurate. So what we're thinking about is in the next decade, will Congress fix it? They can fix it, but they probably won't. Not until it's really bad and everybody hates everybody and then fine because look if the republicans try to fix it by freezing benefits which is standard of what the republican side will do the democrats say you hate old people if the democrats say well we want to go after and and raise taxes the republicans say well you hate the working class so so everybody hates old people or loves old people or come come on very simple to fix. You have to raise the age. Nobody else gets it at sixty-two. Beginning three years from now, I would I'd start three years from now. Sorry, sorry if you're fifty-six. Right, sorry if you're my age, mid-fifties. Just not going to happen. You thought it was right at the end of your reach? Nope. Sorry, not going to be. You have to wait till sixty-four or sixty-five. Move it up a little bit, maybe every every couple of years, but get it to sixty-five as fast as possible. So you cannot start Social Security until 65. That's the air solution based on what most of the cowards between the voters and the politicians have decided to leave us with. Here's a big old bag of mess. Can you fix it? That's number one. Number two, what I would do is I would say everybody, including high wage earners, $200,000, $300,000 a year, up to maybe 250000 your first 250000 by the way, that is a lot of people. I don't know if you know that. may not be you, but there are a lot of people that make $150,000, 200, 250000 Is it enough to make the difference only? No, it isn't, but it's a part. And so you're going to have to pay Social Security taxes up to that number. But in exchange for that, we're going to give you more Social Security when it's time for you to collect. Because you're putting into it. We shouldn't be just taking it from you. We're not... Thieves, says the government, with a wink and a nod. Instead, what they do is they say, look, at age 65 you can begin, at age 75 is when it stops growing. So that could be an additional, if you don't start taking it, at age 70, it could be an additional 40%. Good for you. But you also understand that you're now five years closer to dying, which means Social Security doesn't have to pay out after you pass away. Right? I mean, it's a bit morbid, this Early in the morning but or mid-afternoon, but you can understand that it's a little bit on the yucky side, but that's the benefit. They don't have to pay out for five years. Good news for you, especially if you have a younger spouse, you have a higher Social Security benefit. Because currently, when one of you passes away, we lose the lower of the two Social Security checks. So if one of you is receiving $2,000 a month and one is receiving 4000 we lose 2000 That's a huge number. That's a third of your income is gone. I think you need to know that because that can hurt people, financially speaking, as they, right? You're trying to plan. I don't think you guys understand that most people need both paychecks. Right, that's hard to do because if you don't understand it, financially speaking, your bills yesterday were the same. Your property tax is going to be the same whether two people, one pe- one person, or six people live in your house. Your electric bill is going to be the same because the lights are the lights, right? When I turn the light on in my room, it doesn't make the room brighter if there's two people or one person. Right? You understand? Certainly, water. Okay, yes, less showers. Got it. But watering the front lawn and the back lawn, that doesn't change if there's more or less people. But yes, on gasoline. Yes, on insurance. You see, so there's the difference in losing a third or half sometimes of your income. You have to plan for it. So I like the ability to use your retirement accounts to put it into to laddering or structuring. Where you build a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, so that if one of you passes away, we figuratively just basically flip a switch and we start an income stream that lasts for the rest of your life. I think that's a very important feature. And if you don't live long enough to to turn it on, it goes to your beneficiaries. It's still your money. It doesn't change. All right, stay with me after the break. Your emails, but grab that pen and paper. Ready for my email address? It's Araf, A-R-I-F, Arif at T-F-S. Stands for Total Financial Solutions. T-F-S, wealth.com. That's a lot of money. W-E-A-L-T-H. So Araf, A-R-I-F, at T-F-S, Stay with me after the break. Your emails and your questions and my solutions. We come right back on the Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Arif Halaby on AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Now
0: Araf has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Araf Halabi. Learn
1: about financial Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Araf Hallaby. Total financial hour. Look, this is your second hour based on your request. I appreciate it. I think your uh, desire to, to hear some of the solutions that we talk about, because it's easy to talk about problems, uh, you, when you hear just about any financial broadcast, they're always talking about problems, they're always talking about issues that don't seem to have a solution. Or they bring on two people, they just get into it and it says, we're going to have to leave it there, but we're going to have you both back. Promise you'll come back? Thanks. We'll have you back to discuss the show and the issues. <laughs> you never see them come back. You know, you sit there every night, every night with your popcorn. No, they never come back. Because a lot of this is the ability for you to understand that there are solutions. They're in your hands. And if you can see them and then you can react, it's almost never too late. Almost never too late. Not always, but almost. So I think I think your ability to see that most people have an option in life to make financial decisions, and they still sometimes will choose the wrong one. Did you know that? I think sometimes people choose the wrong one. I don't mean they're bad. I just think most people don't have a desire to deal with the problems because it's not comfortable. Something happened. Something happened after World War II. I, I think Americans believe that they gave it the bank. You remember, you know how you say, "Oh, sorry, I gave it the office." I am good. I am good. I gave it the office, right? Check that box. I did it already. I don't need to do it again. I think a lot of Americans felt like they gave, they paid the price, a- and you did, but it doesn't mean there isn't another price to pay or another. And when Ronald Reagan so famously said, "America and Americans are always one generation away." from potentially losing or putting at risk our democracy. Today, you have men dressing up as women and playing sports. The left is now boxed into a corner. They used to say that women mattered. They used to say, me too. They used to say, listen to women. They used to say women's sports mattered. They wanted equality. And people on the conservative side said, yes, they do. uh, But they're not the same as men because we need a different sport for them. It's difficult because a woman may not be as strong or she may not, may not be as physically fit or whatever the case might be. It's the argument. And so you had very, very, very few women playing sports with men at the same level. I'm not saying it didn't happen. My daughter was one that played hard ball, hard baseball. She didn't like playing softball. She said the girls were mean and the boys, she, she was one of the best base dealers. That's where she could make a name for herself where she was very fast So she would steal bases when she was in her, whatever it was, early teens. She was a good baseball player. Not great, but good. If you look at Major League Baseball, are they greedy son of a guns? Yeah. Just like the NFL, just like hockey. So if they can hire a woman for 70 cents on the dollar, wouldn't they? Wouldn't corporate America, you you just told me corporate America, left wing, that they're greedy, so they should hire women for $0.70. Maybe, just maybe, some of them want to, some of them don't, and some of them are barred or kept out of it or treated with disrespect. I am with you. I have three sisters, a mom, a daughter, and a wife. I'm with you. Then why aren't you with me? My left wing friends, when a man dressed like a woman or who grew his hair out in a ponytail says that he is now an athlete and plays on a woman's sport. When he was finishing in, in not even close to the top 100, right? Uh, 140, 170th or whatever it was. Then he turns around and runs in, in the uh, women's race and gets fifth place and bounces out a legitimate young woman. Can, can't you just say, I'm sorry? No. What's wrong with no being the answer? Some of you are those parents. I love you. You're great. Thank you for listening. But some of you are the parents that, that supported and clapped participation trophies and certificates. Some of you said, no, that's okay. We're here just to have fun. Well, okay, maybe in third grade or second, but eventually it becomes about the points right when my daughter was playing baseball one of my boys played too but when my daughter played baseball it, it was the coaches the parents and the players kept score right but but oh we don't we don't keep score it's just a game everybody kept score because the natural innate ability for a human being to compete is what it's called competing And so now fast forward. Now you say that it's okay for a man to dress like a woman and go into the girl's locker room. Oh, I think I'm a woman today. Okay. I'm sorry. Did you have psychological counseling? You need to get some help because that's not normal, but maybe that's you. You know, I'm sure things happen 0.1% or something. But this crazy land that we are supposed to agree to and live in, or you become whatever the racist, phobic person is because they want to shut you down. They want to remove your ability to do business. What? They want to call you names so you back off. How about some courage? Wouldn't that be interesting? I'll have an email. This is from William and Carolyn. You might find it interesting because I think part of this that's pretty important is for you to hear the tone. Dear Eric, I received a pension in 1985 at the age of 56. I worked for 30 years and I'm now 94 years old. I'm going to pause there for a second. All right. You guys understand he retired at age 56, 94 30, 40, 30, 38 years? Worked for 30 years. He's 38 years in retirement. Interesting. Some of you are going to live a lot longer in retirement than you did working in your career. Continuing with Will. This is William. You have said that having income increase over time is the key. Well, I'm a testament testament to that being the case. My pension was $2,600 a month back then in 1985. And my house payment was $289 a month. Today, my pension should be well over $8,000 a month if I was to have just a 3% cost of living pay raise per year. Instead, I have a current pension of $5,900 a month. Now, we don't have a house payment, And our bills are relatively low because we never bought outside of our means. So we're doing okay. But it's not $8,000 a month. Your idea of laddering retirement income, quote, laddering retirement income accounts to adjust for cost of living increases over the many decades of my retirement would have been a lot more, uh, would have allowed me to travel a lot more help my children, and just enjoy life. Had I listened to your idea of laddering with my retirement accounts, my income would be more than I would be able to spend even being generous with my children. We had to adjust our lifestyle during the, the past 10 years in order to pay for our various health care expenses and prescription drug needs. It may be too late for me and my wife to make big changes, But please explain the laddering concept to others and encourage them to listen to you. Signed, William. Okay, you guys, I've mentioned this before, but certainly if you're new to listening to me, I think you need to understand the concept. What it is, is taking your retirement accounts, we'll call it $500,000, and separating it out into different purposes, different needs. So while you're taking from one attire, retire one portion of that retirement account, rather the rest is growing and increasing in its what's called annuitization credits or its income credits. Meaning, the longer you wait to take out your account, the more it will be. For example, with Social Security, if you start taking Social Security at, at age sixty-two, and let's just say it's two thousand dollars a month. By the time you are 70 years old, that might be, oh gosh, what would that be? Eight times eight, 64. Could be somewhere in the neighborhood of about $4,000 a month. So you would save, you would would almost double your Social Security. But now if you started it at 62, you're not going to increase it, are you? It's just going to be that number and you'll get whatever cost of living increases, similar to what William did. He's just gonna get that same number. One percent, no percent. sorry the the pension doesn't have enough money this year. Sorry, we're cutting back. Whatever's happening, it happens. But what about you? Your retirement accounts, if you expected to live in his particular case, guys, almost forty years, thirty eight years in retirement. Had he retired at 56 years of age and I was to have been there and caught him and said, Hey, did you know, I'm just telling you, I just figured this out. I found out a little bird told me whatever that you're going to live for 40 years in retirement. So you better plan for this long race. It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. So if you're somebody who wants to have that same mindset, maybe we can help. There's some good financial people out there. I don't say we're the only ones. Some of the guys are like, only oh, see me. Forget it. There's some good folks. Here's the criteria I want for your laddering for your income strategies. Number one, it has to be A rated companies. So companies in the A category A minus A, A plus, A plus plus. It's basically four categories. There's some more different rating agencies, but I want you to have in that solid type category. So they've been around for a while. Is my second criteria. I'd like them to have been through at least one or two bad financial crises. 2008 was a bad one, but it more focused on the banking and mortgage crisis. 2000 was the dot-com crises. We had war, if you will, with the 9-11 hitting. So I would like those two things, of course, but wouldn't it be nice to go through the 1950s? Or maybe even let's just say 1979, 1980, the Jimmy Carter inflation of 18, 19 percent. Wouldn't that be great? I want a company that has been tested through various financial economic conditions. How about the Great Depression coming up on a hundred years on that, 1929? Right Maybe maybe we needed a company that has been around long enough to go through that. So that's my second. Long track record been around long enough, tested. Third, I like minimum guarantees. Minimum guarantees. What if things just don't work out the way we thought? What if something happens? What if we're in a prolonged time of high inflation? A prolonged period of time of stagflation. Prices rise, but wages don't. Layoffs happen. Right? I think that's more likely. I think stagflation is what we're expecting to see. In fact, if you turn around and, and you take a look, you're going to see more and more layoffs. That's coming. All of these union contracts, they're excited. Next hospital workers are going to uh, you know, strike. Okay, well, where do they think the money comes from? You just told people they get health care for free. You just gave millions of Americans a reduced cost for health care. That means that they are not paying for it or they're not paying the full price. You just said that. And now nurses and doctors, they want to get paid. They want to get paid more money. This is not a, a volunteer gig for the hospitals and the doctors. What? Who do you think is going to pay that? Right. You just told people, hey, this is free. Great. Oh, doctors, you have to work. You did it with the with the schools. Free education, free, 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 free. Oh, sorry, teachers, you have to work for free, too. You didn't say that. Teachers want a pay raise. UC is going to go on strike next. That's what they're probably going to do. Cal State, yep. And if not today, tomorrow. It's just the next thing. But you told them you could have education for free. So, Will, in 1985, Ronald Reagan was still president. We had a a much stronger America, right? We were on the verge of the collapse of the the Iron Curtain, the Soviet expansion. It was pretty neat. We started seeing that move happen. Well, this is important if you realize this, because today we're in a different place. And I think you have to understand somebody is going to have to pay for this stuff. And is it the Chinese? Well, they'll be more than happy to come in. They've, th- they've done that through Latin America. Right? They've bought their way all the way through Europe. Some countries are proud enough to not take it, but they'll be surrounded. And eventually they're going to be forced to take the money. Africa has sold out completely. their natural resources. So I think you're going to see, over and over again, pressure on taxes. Which means even though you're going to see an increase in your pension because that's what they're going to do. They're going to increase the taxes so it went in the front door, comes out the back door. Oh, but now, look, I got a 30% pay raise. Great, and we raised taxes. How much did you really put back into your pocket? How much? By the time you add the cost of milk and eggs because everything's going to go higher because people have to pay you more money. Now, listen, I want you to make more money. But I want you to be worthy of it, not because you exist, not because you work hard. Both of those are two very, very important things. But I want you to be paid more because you are worth more because you do more. I created the cure for cancer. Okay, that's not a minimum wage job. Oh, if you don't understand, well, you go back to school, start a business, create something, build something, team up with somebody. I don't have that strength. Great, find that person. And by the way, they're not in your video game and they're not in your phone. Find that person. Go talk to them. Go get mentored by somebody who's better than you. You see, William was blessed to have a pension. Sounds like a lot of money back then, by the way. Ten times his house payment. Figure what your house payment is today, roughly. I mean, it's not quite ten times, but almost. And say, all right, my house payment... My pension is 10 times that. It's pretty darn good. House payment is 2000 a month. That's $20,000 a month in a pension. But look at what happened. 30 years, 40 years later. It's not the same, is it? It's only about five times your house payment. That's very important math. Because rents always increase. That doesn't change. Taxes always increase. That's not going to change. But what about, oh, call me silly, but what about social Security? No, nope, doesn't really. Doesn't really does it. I think you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what exactly am I expecting the next? Oh, I don't know the, the answer, that the next wave. Do you think it's going to come from the mass layoffs and inflation? I think stagflation is here, right? Have you ever? You guys have heard of shrinkflation, shrink haven't you? I can't say that fast. It's Too early. Shrinkflation. Have I? Have you heard of that? You know what that is? You used to buy ten ounces of something, and now you go to the store and it's eight ounces. Here's the problem with that: the product in most items, from hair care to food items to beauty care items. The, the The product, the inside of almost every item is the least expensive of the entire product. Meaning the cereal inside of the box is not the expensive item. It's the packaging, it's the coloring, it's the shipping, it's the marketing, it's the advertising. It's not the product on the inside. It's not the 10 ounces of Cheerios versus you know 12 ounces or something. It's the product is almost single digit pennies. So when you look at those items, you know that it's a temporary fix because it really didn't solve much. It really didn't. What instead happened is the solving of the temporary Band-Aid. Everybody's waiting for somebody else to do something. That's it. Poor William... The only way inflation is going to be fixed is simple. You have to raise interest rates. Somebody's going to have to pay the price really bad, really fast. It's it's not me. It's a economist saying this, right? I mean, I've studied this stuff only for about forty years, but I, I still don't consider myself maybe as sharp as some of these um, Federal Reserve people. Okay, fine. Maybe they're smarter than me, but all of them are saying this. I'm just I'm just your humble servant. I listen to them. Hey, Arif. well, they weren't talking to me directly, but if they were, it would have been like this. I talk to my computer. Hey, Arif, uh for inflation to come down, we have to raise interest rates. So until interest rates and inflation are the same number, basically, we're going to, you still have a runaway train. The equal and opposite force of inflation is interest rates. So what is the home prices going to do? Well, home prices are going to drop. We're already seeing it. It's not secret. Less people instead of 100 people bidding on a house at 3.1% 30-year mortgage. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's one. Maybe it sits on the market for quite a long time. Maybe the $1.5 million house has to sell for $1.1 million. Maybe it drops all the way to 900,000. I think there's going to be some big, big changes. Now, the sooner they can make it happen, the harder they can make it happen, the more people that are going to be hurt. But it's kind of like slamming on the, the brakes of a train. Have you ever seen that Hollywood movie and somebody pulls that red lever? No, not Congressman Jamal Bowman. That, that's, that's the fire. Sorry, that, that's, that's the fire alarm. Remember elementary school? Fire alarm, door open. Stop the train. So it's the stop the train button. You've seen that in the movies. Stop the train. Everybody, that's basically what they have to do to the economy. Hit the red button. Stop the train. Everything collapses, layoffs, bankruptcies, foreclosures. It's going to be ugly. But for how long? Well, nobody knows that, right? The, the direct, We all know the cycle. First, this happens, then this happens, and this happens. People just don't know how long we're going to be in each cycle. And it's not the same, meaning this part of the cycle could be one year. This part could be six months. This part could be four years, right? So it's still a circle, but how long do we, we know what's next, but how long are we going to be in the what's next? Nobody knows. Six months, maybe if, if we stop that hard, if we get that painful and layoffs and, and horrible time. The problem is government's job is to rescue you, if you will. When things get not bad, but real, real, real bad. At least many will say that's government's job. But I think first it's your friends and family, then your neighbors, then your churches and charities, then your local government, then your city government, state, then the federal government. The problem is the federal government has already spent all the money. So when a real bad day comes, like a war or, or a, they slam on the brakes on the train, when something really bad happens like that, then what? Well, the only option is what? People have to suffer. Maybe you won't vote for those clowns again. Maybe you'll realize that the rhinos, the Republicans in name only, because they can't get elected in an area if they say they're really progressive Democrats, Or the Democrats, the far left wing, who's afraid to stand up. There's some good Democrats, I'm sure, but they're afraid. They're afraid to stand up. So what do they do? Well, they just go along, get along. They vote. You guys, some of you are Democrat. I'm independent, or independent, make my own decision. Yeah, but if you voted for the Democrat clowns, this is what, who cares what they call you? You still voted for the Democrat clowns that are ruining the state. You can't have a state where 100% of the jobs from the top to the bottom is the same political party who cheat on elections by stuffing ballot boxes and sending absentee ballots to everybody. I know this. You know it. You know it. You know you can go to an apartment building that has 20 residents, and there's a 100 different ballots there. You know that in the certain districts around the country, certain areas to get certain congressmen or women in the office, they don't have to cheat the entire country; just enough in that area to flip that one seat or those two seats. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the the Democrat way, right? Win at all costs, never lose. Uh, maybe, maybe you admire their at least their their ability to stick together.
0: <laughs> it's
1: got to be some something redeeming. All right, when we come back. Todd and Greta, I have your email. I'm going to read it. We're talking about your business. You sold your business. How do we structure the sale? Some of you are selling your business. Some of you might learn something when we come back. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Araf Halaby. This is AM870. The Answer,
0: 888-997-3847. We'll be right back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Eric
1: hey, I'm Eric Halliby, the total financial hour. About TFS, Financial Insurance Services, we love to bring you this show. Uh, I want to give you a couple of uh, things to write down. First, our phone number, 888-997-389. Four seven. That's 888-997-3847. Eight, 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 nine, nine, and my email address is Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFS, Wealth, as in a lot of money. That's wealth.com. A, uh, Arif Hallaby at TFS, Wealth.com. Okay, sometimes your emails uh, are a bit more complicated, meaning you have a lot of detail in there. So it takes a little bit of background, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of expl- uh, explaining uh, how to arrive at the different solutions. So I don't want to lose you. Stay with me. I think this is a great opportunity for you to grab your pen and paper, write down new uh, words that you're not sure of. You can shoot me an email or we can talk on the phone. I can kind of explain to you some more of the details, but this is going to be simple and easy to understand. That's my goal for you today. But Todd and Greta. Looks like you guys have a great business, and this is important to understand. Dear Arif, I am selling my business this year, and I wanted to see what your thoughts are on ideas for structuring the deal. I am expecting to have right around $400,000 in the very first payment, and then I'm hoping to receive $2,500 a month for the next four years. All right, let's make sure we write this down. Got it? Now, $2,500 $2,500 a month for the next four years. The total sale price is 520000 I also have about $625,000 in my SEP IRA. I'm going to explain to you guys what that is in a second. S-E-P, SEP IRA. I want to have that set aside for income for us later next year or maybe even in two or three years. We will need a total of about $8,500 a month to live comfortably. And the way we want to live. Our goal is to travel, to help our kids, and to maybe give to some charities whenever we feel that they are deserving. My current Social Security check is $3,400. And my wife will receive a pension of $3,300. Both of those are per month. Is it possible to have enough income from my retirement accounts each month to make up the difference... Just in case he doesn't pay the $2,500 a month. And that's Todd and Greta. Okay. Let me break this down for you because I think this is important. If you're going to sell a business, as they say, the devil is in the details, Set this aside for just a second, but in a normal business, it doesn't matter if you are a framing company, right? We've had people that make picture frames. We've had folks that are dentists and doctors' offices. We get that all the time. Uh, we have regularly people that are selling manufacturing companies where there's assets uh, like uh, drills and lathes and uh, machines, CAD machines, etc. So, so these are very important pieces and parts to an organization, a manufacturing company or, or a company. The other part is the building, the land, the, the factory, the yard, right? The parking area, the, the storage lot, whatever it might be. So before you guys do any selling, if wh- whoever it is, not just Todd and Greta, but you guys have different corporations or you should have different entities, LLCs or corporations for each structure for the building and for the business, you may even want to have a corporation that is a leasing company that owns the equipment. So let's say you own a building in downtown, whatever, and you manufacture t-shirts, right? I, we have clients that do different clothing articles, etc. Well, you have the equipment and maybe it's older. That's fine, but it has some value because it works still, doesn't it? So you might have an LLC or an S corp that owns a limited liability company. That's what an LLC is. It's a type of corporation. So you might have a limited liability company that owns the land. Maybe an S as in small business corporation that owns the business, the website, the uh, receivables, for example. Then you might have another corporation. Maybe it's an LLC, a limited liability company that owns the equipment. All right. You need to speak with a good, maybe even a great tax attorney slash CPA, somebody that understands business, not just everyday CPA, some just like doctors, right? Some CPAs are amazing for these kinds of businesses. Some are great for NFL players. Some CPAs are lousy for just mom and pop operations. Some are good and great in different areas. So my recommendation is find somebody that understands this type of business structure. So I'm going to go off of the assumption that you've already done this, that you know this, and that what we're going to do is kind of pierce off, if you will, or pull off these folks so that we're selling them the business and maybe even the equipment. Now, the value in the building is if you own the building, it's owned by you, this guy or gal, whoever, whoever the purchaser is of your business, they're going to keep paying you monthly rent, monthly rent month. Thank you. That's above and beyond the purchase price of the actual business. So it's nice. Another source of income, but you didn't mention that, so I'm not going to count that all right so what am I going to count twenty five hundred dollars a month, and we're expecting to have around four hundred thousand dollars. I want you to know that rarely ever happens properly. I'm sure it does, and with the right attorneys drafting the right uh, contracts, you have a really good shot of it taking place and what am i what do I mean? Well, you're gonna receive the four hundred thousand, but a lot of these folks go around and they offer to buy your business. They make the first or second payment of twenty five hundred dollars a month, and then that's it. Now they do the Sumi. Or you go to check on it and the entire warehouse is gone, all the equipment has been shipped out somewhere. And there's no business, they're not gonna pay you anything. So what did you receive? Four hundred thousand dollars. So my, my push for you, anybody that's selling a business collect as much upfront as possible, period, whatever it takes. Well, Arif, the guy said he doesn't have any money. Great mortgage your house. Mister have the guy mortgage his house, his parents' house, his his sister, brother, somebody has to believe in him. It's not your job to believe in him or her. Take a second mortgage on your house. Sell your car. Give me the pink slip to your car, right? You can put a lien on the equipment if there's serial numbers, et cetera. meaning you're going to take pictures. You're going to track it, et cetera. Maybe put a hidden tracker on it if it's a large enough piece of equipment, bulldozers and and, uh, different types of excavators, for example. You can put like a GPS tracker, right? You can put an entire system in place where you lock in if he or she decides to be sneaky, or dishonest. It's really going to come from the original agreement. I don't want you negotiating. What are red flags? Well, well, uh, Todd, I'd like to buy your business, but I don't deal with lawyers. You know, lawyers just, they're crooked and they rip you off and they always find a reason to not make it happen. Oh, no kidding, sir. Next. Next. Uh, I don't deal with you then because I'm a manufacturer. I have no clue how to draw contracts. That's why lawyers are lawyers, not manufacturers, because they're great at what they do and I'm great at what I do. So, Todd, I I think you need to say, listen, we need to have. uh, So whoever's buying it, Joe, Joe, you don't need to have an attorney, but my attorney needs to be there because I I don't understand everything and I'm just not that smart. And right, you can self-deprecate if you need to. But here's what I need, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer. I need an attorney to lock this down. And that could be anything. It could be. I want to lean any asset that you have, your house, your rental property, your bank account you put up for collateral in an escrow account, right? Your retirement account, make me an irrevocable beneficiary where I have to sign off on it. You can't move that money. Oh, uh, the guy is 40 years old and he has $200,000, but he doesn't want to take it out of a retirement account because if he does, he's going to be taxed on it. Well, there's a workaround. You can have that retirement account, go into a a purchase agreement, buy stocks of your company, and you can own it. In other words, there still is a way to make that happen. Who would do that? Good lawyers. But just in case he doesn't pay, you need a plan B. But what if he does? Everything's fine. He's an honest person. We have a client right now. They sold a restaurant. Honest person that that bought it. They're paying on time. Everything is great. Big chain. Perfect. Sometimes things like that happen and where it's done right and it's the way it's supposed to be. So what is another way to do it? Well, number one, I'd like you to think twice. Make sure you insure a life insurance called a key person life insurance policy. So what that means is that you have a key person life insurance and that key person If he or she passes away, the business could be run into the ground. It could go bankrupt. It could not have its leader, but you're still owed money. What are you going to try to do? Come out of retirement, move back from Palm Springs or from Boca and run a company two and a half years later? No. So a key person life insurance policy. Maybe you pay for it. You build it into the price. You say, listen, I need five years. You're going to owe me money for the next five years. I need a five-year life insurance policy on you to fill the gap in case he passes away. Because things happen, right? We don't know. So that is another recommendation that kind of gives you that little cushion just in case it doesn't work out. Okay, so let's say it does and, and everything is paid over the next few years. All is done. Then What? Well, one of the things I would look at is taking your 625,000 SEP IRA. So what is SEP? It's called, it's a self-employed persons IRA. So, different than a 401k, it has some similar features meaning you you can put in more money, the employer can put in money, there's money that can go into that bucket, no problem. It's a big portion About 25% of your income. But the self-employed person's IRA does not have the same protection provisions as a 401k. So think twice before you keep a SEP self-employed person's IRA. You might want to consider having the flexibility of having a regular IRA, traditional IRA. But if you need protection... Right, lawsuit protection, creditor protection, maybe IRS protection, whatever, it might work, then consider a 401k plan. A 401k plan also allows you to borrow money, 50% up to $50,000. Your self-employed person's IRA, you cannot borrow from it. You can take money out, and when you do, it's taxable. That's not a problem. But as far as borrowing money and putting it back so that it continues to grow, you cannot do that with the self-employed person's IRA. has to be a uh, 401k plan. So how would I do it? Well, simple. I'd split it up. Remember our first email from William and Carolyn? I would ladder this. These guys are young enough, Todd and Greta are young enough, to where they could live another 35 years. So how do we make sure? Well, number one, I would take 250,000 of the 400 and i would use that as what's called a spend down account. That's my backup plan, that's my spend down account. If the $2500 a month does not come in for whatever reason, then we flip a switch and the 250,000 starts to pay a monthly amount. But what about the rest of the money? Well, that 150,000 from the purchase price plus the self-employed person's IRA, gets split up into a various, probably three different accounts. One medium-term, one long-term, and one when one of you passes away. Because when one of you passes away, you see, here's what happens. You have a pension of $3,300 a month. A lot of pensions, depending on how you learned uh, earned this pension, Greta, doesn't allow you to receive Social Security as well. So you're going to lose one of those. Well, that's that stinks. That's that's half. That's 50% of your income is gone when one of you passes away. Not 50% of your expenses. In fact, 50% of your income is gone, but your tax rates nearly double. Did you know that when you are married filing jointly, you pay less taxes than a single person. And when you're widowed the following year, you have to pay single taxes, so not only does your tax rates nearly double, but at the same time, you lose income. So what I would do is take some of that 625,000 self-employed persons IRA. I would spread it out a little bit, give me medium, long-term, and just in case one of us dies, account. And by doing that, we have set up an income stream to last forever. And it increases three to 5% a year on average, sometimes six, seven, sometimes zero. But maybe we take some of that 150,000. I put it in a 5% or did you guys know right now? There are three year, three year multi-year guaranteed annuities, MIGA accounts that are paying between four and 6%, four and five and a half, five point seven. 57 That means, let's call it 5%. You have a three-year account that's guaranteeing you 5% interest, and you don't pay taxes on that money until you withdraw it. Meaning this year, nope, I don't need it, leave it, no taxes. Next year, I don't need it, no taxes. Next year, I don't need it, no taxes. Roll it over, no taxes. Let it grow, no tax. Oh, now send me a check. Okay, now you'll pay tax on, on the interest. But not on all of it, just what you took out. So it gives you a chance to kind of manage that a little bit. It gives you a chance to push it around a little bit. Of course, taxes equal, talk to your CPA, your tax preparer. Taxes equal, we sit down, we review, we take a look. Am I missing something? Is there something they can help you with? We don't mind. Listen, for our clients, guys, we are on the phone. I have to do that next week. On the phone with a client after the the, the, uh, October 15 deadline is over. Right? We have conversation with somebody's CPA. Hey, here's where they are. Here's where th- what they're doing financially. What can we do to offset it? Anything I can do to help. Right. So, So that's my job is to kind of get in there, meet with them, be guided by what they tell me, do what they recommend, throw my two cents into it, and we come up with a solution for you. Often it's phone calls and Zoom meetings these days, and Teams. What is it, Teams or something? Microsoft Teams, I guess. <laughs> I don't. Who, who would have thought? Did you ever think five years ago this was going to be the norm that people were going to be in their pajamas and be on a and have a shirt and tie on and have fuzzy slippers underneath the desk and and sit there and conduct a, a professional meeting? Does somebody take you seriously? Maybe that's the new normal, right? As they always say, I remember back in my day, kid, everybody had it tougher back in their day. Pretty confident that actually holds true today. (laughs) Pretty confident. Before it was always, well, that's always something people would say. Now, eh, not so much. I think back in my day when you had to sit in traffic, you had to go to work, you had to park, they had to deal with a homeless guy today. You sit in your house, probably a lot easier today. You do your zoom meetings or you work from happy wo- joint work. What is it called? We workspace, joint space, live, happy. It's about happy. <laughs> it's not about holiness. It's about happiness, right? The, the me generation is here bigger than ever. So maybe that person is going to be the one buying your business. I want to encourage you guys, if you have a company or you're considering starting a business, don't put your name on the company for a lot of reasons. If this person ends up ruining the company or doing something dumb, then your name is on it, right? It could be consolidated, whatever, or specialized, whatever. Okay, you're the owner, you and your wife, your husband got it. But if part of your exit strategy in business is to sell the company, then let's build the foundation properly and probably not name name it after yourself. I know there's a narcissistic reason. There's a pride reason. There's all sorts of reasons we do it. I'm telling you, I think today it's not always a good, uh, good way to do it. And part of the journey in building your own company, part of the journey in, in building your own business is to buy the building. And if we are coming up on a crazy economic time, if that's happening right around the corner, this collapse in commercial buildings, which is going to be coming, by the way, and you are currently renting, and you have a great lease, which is five or ten years, and the renewal of that lease is fixed at 3% or 5% a year, then I will tell you what I think is going to happen. I will, the amount of money owed on the building is going to require a monthly payment that is greater than what you are paying in rent because interest rates are that much higher. So when rents were much lower because people could afford it at a much lower rate, that's not the case anymore when rents were lower so were the payments there's still a profit for the owner but when these large buildings restaurants office buildings manufacturing when the owner now has to refinance that because that is what that is the requirement in a commercial building you cannot have a th- most of the time uh, maybe it existed somewhere but almost all of the bill, the, the loans are this way It's a 30-year loan or 20-year loan, but it's due in five years. 20-year loan due in 10 years. Interest rates are lower. They spread the payments out over that 20-year number. But at the five-year or the 10-year mark, you now have to refinance. The bank now wants their money. They turn around and they're going to lend it out for much more interest than they charged you. So they're happy to get rid of you. You have to go to the marketplace and say, hey, I now need a loan for what's left on this building. And they say, great, you were doing it at 3%. Now it's 9%. Say, well, but my rents are fixed. The guy has a 10-year lease. He's still in the middle of that lease. Sorry. you got to make that payment. So then what happens? The person walks away from the building. That's what happened in 1991. It's what happened in 2008. We saw it again in 2020. Do you think it's not going to happen again? Of course, it's what's called normal. So if you are a business, a manufacturer, and you can ride this out, and you have cash available, you better be saving, by the way, getting out of bad debt, small business owners paying off those ugly credit cards, get away from bad debt, build that rainy day. If the time comes and everything from your credit to your business is strong, and your landlord or the guy across the street or down the way or around the corner ends up losing their building and it goes to auction. Guess who can be there to pick it up? That's right. You. You. Because that is the shift that always happens. It always happens. Why? Because we don't have a fixed budget. We've been we've been operating as a country on this borrow money versus don't buy it until you have enough cash to buy it. That used to be the way it was in the 40s and 50s. The borrowing of money as a nation has bled down to you and I as people. So the reason home prices went through the roof is very simple. We used to have five-year mortgages. So the payment had to be reasonable for somebody. Then we had 10-year mortgages. So the price could be a little higher, but the payment would be lower. Then we had 20-year mortgages. That means you would buy a house for 20 years. They could spread out the payments over a longer period of time. The house would be a lot more expensive, but the payments would even be lower. Then we went to 30-year. What do we have right now? 40-year? 50-year? We have 90-year mortgages you can get, which means... You're only, it's only an equity play, meaning you're just doing this for equity. You're hoping that you can tread water long enough for the value of the house or the, or the building or whatever to grow in value so you can sell it, give the bank back whatever you borrowed, and make a little profit. That's how a bank can keep the prices higher, by spreading out the payments longer. So I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see a change that's going to kick in coming up here very soon. And that change is going to happen right in your backyard. And it's going to hit you. I'm here for you, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, and my email address, araf, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com, 888-997-3847. I hope that helps today. I appreciate you being here. This is AM870, The Answer, your place for news, talk, and information. See you next week. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a great uh, week. week.